Picture at Los Angeles 2023. Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty, no slash. I'm so chill tonight. I feel like I'm speaking so slow. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talked about it. We still do that. But then we ran out of those episodes. And then we watched the Golden Palace, you know, the spinoff on CBS, Weird Network. And then we ran out of those episodes. So now we do whatever the hell we want. There she is. That's right, everyone. Today we're doing another Golden Rewind where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and re-talk about them and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these episodes back in 2014. This week we are rewatching season two, episode four, It's a Miserable Life, aka the Welcome to the Roadkill Frida Collection Party. <laughs> but this is a special episode. It's not even just a typical rewind for us because we're doing something different. That's right. Later in the podcast, we will be joined by Gigi, super fan, and the new friend of the pod, Joanna, to dive <sighs> even deeper into death in Danish. I love that we're doing this. Okay. Two things. First off, this is a new endeavor for us in terms of we've been talking, you guys have been asking for years about being on the podcast. And, you know, I mean, it's, 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 there's so many of you and it's complicated to, to arrange it and everything. And Joanna, having met Joanna at, at Golden Con, it was such a natural sort of like, well, let's start doing this. So we're starting a thing where we have fans on the podcast to basically join us and share their thoughts about particular episodes that we do rewinds on. So we thought Joanna would be the first person for great first person to do that with us and joanna was kind of the perfect oh, guest yeah for totally. our for our entry into this amazing marriage between us and fans of the podcast so sweet um, so fun love. yes and so in the future if you all want to be a part of this just reach out to us at out on the lanai.com slash contact basically just leave your information there we'll reply to you with all the information that we need in order to sort of pick through who's going to be on and how it's how it works and we just need to check through a few things and it'll be great so contact us at out on the slash contact i love that we have a website who uses websites anymore i don't know but i think we built ours using squarespace they're not a sponsor <laughs> not sponsored so. well no. <laughs> i also want to say that because we're going to get to this because carrie and i are going to do a recap real quick before we chat with joanna just because that's what we do but i do want to explain when we we chatted with Joanna, when was it June? Early June? I forget when we chatted with Joanna. It was a while ago. And we had the most technical problems that Carrie and I have ever had in the history of the Golden Girls podcast. Like, it was audio hell. Not with the chat with Joanna, but with Carrie and I. We tried to, we spent an hour trying to do our recap that we that you're about to listen to, and we never could do it. So just know that we sound amazing in the in Carrie and I's recap, but when the chat with Joanna, Carrie's audio is actually her computer audio, I believe. So you might hear some differences in terms of how we sound when we switch over from our recap to our chat with Joanna. But that's only because of technical difficulties, and we're a, it's a month later, so we're you know slimmer and more fabulous. Also, technology's come such a long way. So clearly, I'm going to sound better this month than I did last month. I, I mean, mean, why wouldn't you? Oh. AI is coming for all of our jobs, everybody. Buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. Well, let's buckle up and get to this wonderful episode of Free to Claxton. I know. We, I have so many bullet points. I am so excited. Okay, so... I have a couple things that I really noticed about this episode. One, so many sexual jokes mm -hmm. involving Blanche mm -hmm. that I was here for, like her sleeping with a man to get him to sign a petition. She'd slept with two of the commissioners. She's an excellent orator, but she doesn't quite know what that means. Um, I love it when Frida Claxton calls Blanche the human slinky. Um, it was absolutely amazing. Um, there was also a good amount of 
guest star screen yeah. time in this episode, if you recall. So we have Mr. Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and can I tell you my theory about why Mr. Pfeiffer, where that came from? Just yeah, from... Please. Okay. So the the writer's room brain in me when sometimes writers just start, somebody will ask a dumb question in the room and everybody starts riffing and talking about it. And then it ends up being in the show mm-hmm. somehow. And I feel like what happened was the writers were all sitting around. It was like midnight on a Friday. They're up late. They're eating dinner. They're feeling silly. And somebody was like, hey, why isn't Michelle Pfeiffer's name like Pfeiffer? There's a P. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then this led to the whole joke and everybody was saying Pfeiffer. And I feel like that's how this came to be. Can I just because tell it you, just this so is weird. unrelated, but related to what you just said. I just recently purchased some Henry Rose perfume, which is Michelle Pfeiffer's new perfume, perfume company. And I love it. It is my new scent. I love it so much. I have two scents that I always go to. I go to Gucci Floral and I go to Dior, always Dior. But then... I smelled a little Henry Rose, and I was taken aback. I highly, go to Sephora. Pick, it's in Sephora now, so go check it out. Can I tell you what my go-to perfume is? Sure. It's like a roller ball of lavender oil from Erewhon or oh, something. Oh, well, that's it's- lovely, though. <laughs> that's lovely. I wish I knew scents. I have been re-watching Sex in the City, and I was like, man, I wish... I wish just for a day I could have like a closet and just be like, what am I going to put together today? Well, you know what? You and I need to go to Sephora together because I have a feeling I could probably give you a Sephora experience that you've never had before. Yes. No, I know you could. Yeah. I I'm, I do not doubt that at all. Yeah. Um, okay. We have way more to talk about here. Yeah. I'm well, keep... the other thing with this episode that I do want to say is oh. that this episode, in addition to the amount of guest stars, also the amount of sets they went to lots of locations on this episode. I mean, they, well, mainly within like the courthouse and the, you know, city council and stuff. But still, yes. I was like, they got budget this episode. Yeah, it felt like they had a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. A lot of sets. And then, yeah, big guest star roles. Mr. Pfeiffer, the yeah. woman who comes to the funeral to speak and doesn't realize she's at Frida Claxton's funeral. And of course. Oh, yeah, the funeral Frida too. I Claxton. forgot about the funeral. Yeah. Yes. So many sets. So Nan Martin, you know, who plays Frida, you know, she was ob- she was also in the episode Foreign Exchange where she played Philomena. They did an Estelle Getty thing with uh, Nan Martin, who was 59, playing 83. Yeah. But I do want to talk about her performance for a second because the way that Estelle Getty is able to sort of change her posture and the way she walks when she's playing, you know, present day Sophia versus old school Brooklyn Sophia. Yeah. Nan Martin, the way she holds herself to a like appear older she's very Mm -hmm. stiff rigid she's very conservative and judgmental in her body language Mm -hmm. i was just like wow that woman really did breathe life Uh, oopsie because she doesn't (laughs) then taken out of her but she really did breathe life into that character like great comedic timing when she goes yes i lied to get the danish like i I don't know her background very well but i i mean she's been in a lot of stuff i mean I did see her because one of my movies that I love to fall asleep to is Castaway, and she's in the dinner scene in Castaway. <laughs> um, but wait, no, go back, go back, go uh, back. <laughs> is your favorite movie to fall asleep to is Castaway? Well, it's not my favorite. My favorite movie to fall asleep to is Mommy Dearest. But oh my, wait, this is these are two wildly <laughs> different. How? I mean, they're soothing to me. I don't know. They so cast away. <laughs> I sort of understand. There are long moments where there aren't. There isn't a lot of talking, but yeah. there's the sound of waves. Well, it laughing also goes and, back. It goes. It goes back to. Oh God, this is. Uh, I did not intend. Carrie and I literally said we're not going to do tangents because we have so much to get to. I when I moved away from home, you know, and DVDs started to become a thing that just aged us. I would fall I would find DVDs that had really good default menu settings that weren't obnoxious that I could fall asleep to and one of them that was in heavy rotation was Castaway because after the movie gets done it defaults back to the menu and it's not like obnoxious music it's just waves so now mm. it's like a nostalgic thing that even though mm-hmm. I don't hear the music anymore because I don't use DVDs anymore it just I I like Castaway Mommy Dearest is different because I like falling asleep to old movies, but I don't consider Mommy Dearest an old movie, even though it kind of is. But it it's it just it it's just good. It's I don't know. It's very tense movie to fall asleep to. Oh, I mean, sure. 
Uh, not really. No. I mean, why are hangouts? I mean, it's one of those that, like, sure, it's about abuse and stuff. But, I mean, it's a gay camp film that, like, I find to be a comedy. So I I, I just, it's it's comforting to me. I don't know why. Do you remember when, because um, when I lived in New York, I would fall asleep to my Golden Girls DVDs, and I'd wake mm-hmm. up at 3 a.m. to, like, the Muzak couldn't, version of I the couldn't. menu. And yep. I'd be like, oh, dear Lord, just playing on repeat. Um, okay. So... <laughs> I now you already know what this is, but the listeners don't. After watching this episode, I I came up with a theory for something that is, I think, maybe provocative, polarizing even Mm -hmm. about this episode. We do talk about it with Joanna, but I wanted to tease it now. So the listeners stay until the end of this episode, which I'm assuming they will anyway. But (laughs) I just wanted to, I I don't, it's been, you and I haven't talked, you know, we recorded this, you know, 18 years ago. So I don't know if you remember, but I did. I I don't remember. I don't remember. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I had a really big theory and um, Joanna had a really great answer for it. Um, So. Is that the tease? Okay. Wait, what's the tease? No, I'm not going to. It's, it's about. You can't just say you have a theory. (laughs) You got to give it a is, little bit of it. It's 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 a it's a Rose versus Frida Claxton theory. Okay, that's and enough. that's enough. That's all. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. Okay. Um. So look, in this episode, which we all know, so we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it because I think yeah. our conversation with Joanna about the episode was is like, pretty concise. fulfilling, yeah. and and we talk a lot about it. But, um, in this episode, Blanche, Dorothy, Sophia tell Rose. Like, look, some people are just plain mean Mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. And they're talking about Frida Claxton. And Rose thinks that no one is truly mean. You know, some people just need a little kindness Mm -hmm. and then you can crack them. Um, And there's a really funny moment uh, that we're going to play where um, Rose wants to try to prove the women wrong by calling Frida Claxton. Well, I'm going to prove you're all wrong. Now, there's a week left before the county commissioner's meeting. I'm going to be as nice to her as I can, and I'll bet by the time I'm through, she'll be as anxious to save that tree as we are. Hello, Miss Claxton. This is Rose Nyland. How are you? Well, I've never sat on one before, but wouldn't that be painful? I have, like, I know, I, we talked about this in our failed recording of this recap, and I remember this conversation which is weird that I remember that because I don't remember what I did yesterday, which was my birthday. Um, but happy, happy, happy birthday. Thank happy you. Birthday. I get the rose. Um, but oh, that just depressed me. Wow. Okay. I. But we, the, we, we couldn't figure out what Frida could ever say to Rose that she could sit on. Like, what do you think Frida said? Well, so obviously, you know, I feel like some people will like put up the middle finger and say, sit on this and spin. But this was over the the phone. Sit on this. And Rose said, I've never sat on one before, but wouldn't it be painful? So she probably told her to like, sit on a spike, sit on an icicle. That's sort of what I, I I feel like sit on a tack or something is like an expression or something around it. Like about a tack, like sit, like, you know, thumb tack, just like sitting Mm -hmm. on that and how it, it just it's it's not going to hurt you but it's going to not be painful it's not going to be pleasant you know what i mean i mean honestly sit on a bike from the 70s and oh, it hurts well, like sit on I a mean, bike without wearing a butt pad sit and on it hurts basically any chair for me that isn't cushioned it hurts like yeah i, see, mean, I have an incredibly bony butt so oh, well, that's I, what people would say that I don't, when i would sit on their so laps they'd always go oh you have such a bony butt and i'm like oh. i'm pretty sure i have the same number of bones in my butt that you do but no. okay people when i sit on people's laps they're more like oh my god make it stop <laughs> 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 They're like Kathy Bates. I loved you in Misery. <laughs> and then you know they'd be my real fan if they said about Schmidt. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I don't know what she said. I also love that Rose's voice is the most welcoming. Like you know how those people, because there are people who sound different when they speak on the telephone than they yeah. sound in life. Mm-hmm. M- Michael is one of these people who he has his normal voice, but then he gets on the phone and he's all like, "Hello, hi." Hi, hi. Like, it's so dainty. Rose is similar in that, I mean, Rose always sort of sounds pleasant and stuff, but then she gets on the phone. She's like, hi, Frida. It's Rose Nyland. How are you? Mm -hmm. It's very theatrical and showy and welcoming. And it's just, I love those people who change their voices on the phone. 
I, so my mom definitely would be like screaming at me at the top of her lungs. Like, are you being flip? I'll knock your block off. And then somebody <laughs> would call and she'd be like, hello. Oh, hi, Patty. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. But my grandmother, my mom's amazing. I'm just joshing her. But my grandma would be the funniest one because she would always pick up the phone and answer like I was a, like a bill collector calling and then when she realized it was me, her voice would change. She'd pick up the phone and go, hello. And I go, <laughs> and I go, hey, grandma. And she'd go, hello. You know, how <laughs> like, it was my really stepdad, sweet. my stepdad answered to this day. My stepdad answers the phone whenever he picks up the phone. And he's like, I don't know if he says it to strangers or if he just knows it's me calling. But he says, it's your nickel. <laughs> that's fun it's fun i enjoy that yeah. my mom used to make me pick up the phone and say hi this is carrie who's this please oh. and i hated saying it so much that i would like breeze through it i pick up the phone and i go hi this is carrie who's this please and people would be like what it's, and i'd have oh. to say it again i go hi this is carrie who's this please i hated it she made me do it if i ever picked up the phone and said hello her head would like bop around the corner like what did you just say but in what her did you just say but in her like massachusetts accent what'd you say yeah say it again say it again get up to your room get rum. up to no no dinner rum put the, no put the fruitopia down don't don't go to the fridge and get a mondo get your ass mondo? Up to your what's room. a mondo room right now you don't remember mondo drink? no i don't what about squeeze it i don't remember that either <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know capri sun we had soda <laughs> yeah well squeeze it's mondos it was sugar juice okay they don't make them anymore okay back to it we said we weren't gonna do this we said we weren't gonna do this we're like we're like two people who are just increasingly getting drunk at a bar in a rom-com being like then they're taking each other's clothes off at the end of the night and they're like we said we weren't going to do this. That will That's never be us. Right now. That will never be us. Uh, guys, I'm drinking a white claw. I'm home alone, but no, my kids upstairs. Fans in a movie. It's been a night. So, okay, Frida Claxton is so amazing. Yeah. We have to play a little yes. bit of her performance. Well, Mrs. Claxton, how lovely to see you again. Who are you? I'm your neighbor, Blanche Devro. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognize you with your clothes on. <laughs> I beg your pardon? With my binoculars, I have a terrific view in your bedroom window. I think some of the stuff you do is illegal. I'm looking into it. <laughs> Miserable. Oh, my God. Uh, Mrs. Claxton, I don't know if you remember me. Dorothy's Bornack. Sure, I know you. You're the one with nothing going on in your bedroom. <laughs> Why, you miserable! I love it. I love it. I love it. She's like the Wicked Witch of Richmond Street. She really is. Oh, she's so oh. good. She's so good. To undefined gravity. Oh, I, you went to that. I wasn't going there. But. No, I wasn't at first. <laughs> like I said, I'm like three quarters of the way into a white claw. There isn't even a lot in them. So, okay. I have a question about the yeah. first line mm -hmm. spoken in this scene. Okay. So the guy leading the meeting says, that was my white claw burp. It is the consensus of the committee that the promoter's petition for the outdoor Menudo concert be denied. Yeah. And a handful of people get up and walk out. Was this supposed to be a joke? I mean, no one no. laughs. I, I Well, I think I don't know, but I did just watch that Menudo, um, Ted, the Menendez brothers, Menendez brothers, brothers and Menudo on, on Peacock. And I, from that, I have gleaned that Menudo was very popular in the 1980s. I didn't. I wasn't. I don't know Menudo very well. And oh my God, Menudo had a comeback. At least for me, I discovered Menudo like in the 90s because mm. obviously they just rotated members constantly. And I think it was were they on like the RuPaul show or something? I'm trying to that. remember. I could see that. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so but no, I think that was a. I think that was sort of you know, a failed joke on the height, but I'm surprised they just didn't cut it, but maybe they could Yeah, it was, like, it was really weird because it's like, everybody just gets out and le gets up and leaves and there's no laughing and then they move on to the next thing yeah. and it's like, okay, if it was, like, even if it was supposed to be a joke, I don't understand the joke, Yeah, but, but then they didn't come up with another joke on the spot. It's just so awkward to have that first line of the maybe scene they just not couldn't be a cut joke. It. maybe it just had to be in there i don't know like you know how but some... it could have been a joke i know like so for example right it you could have had a visual gag like if they were like 
the petition for, you know, National Balloon Animal Day has been denied. And then like a few clowns and a sad kid gets up and walks yeah. out of the room. Like, OK, they, that's an attempt at a joke. They all but... should have been dressed in like tank tops and like had mullets and like short shorts. That was like a menudo yeah, look, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But I was like, OK, all right. Anyway, I was just like, eh, I don't know what this is. Yeah. Um. So, so they have yeah. the meeting and basically it escalates to Frida backing on, you know, her apparent agreement with Rose that she does doesn't care if they cut down the tree and the tree is going to get fucking cut down. I know. And the only reason why Frida said that she would save the tree is because of the Danish. I haven't had a Danish um, in years, but I have been trying to learn how to make proper British scones. Ooh. Yes, I'm learning that. I did learn how to make cotton cream. I'm very excited about that and because you can't get that here in the United States. But now I need to learn how to make a proper British scone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Do they call it a scone? I think so. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not British, so I won't do that. I don't I was gonna say you could start with the name. That seems easy. Well, I don't wanna offend our listeners and pretend that I call it a scone when it's a scone. You know, we have a very sizable audience in the UK and Australia, so I wanna not offend them by me saying scone. That's fair. Yeah. Right. Let's play the moment where Rose kills Frida. Relax and think about what you're doing. That beautiful old tree is two hundred years old. How can you hate a living thing? I hate you. <laughs> That's it. I have had all I'm going to take from you. Now, if you don't have the common decency to treat people like human beings, well, then I'm sure as hell not going to waste my time kissing your fanny. Now, if you don't like it, Mrs. Claxton, you just sit there and shut up while we have our say. And if you don't like it, just drop dead. Go on, Dorothy. <laughs> Okay, I know I just said this during the Trudy episode, but here again, what we're seeing is a group of people hunched over someone who has just collapsed, and they're not really doing anything. <laughs> Nobody's saying call nine one one. That happened to me Nobody's at a show checking once. For a pulse. That happened to me at a show once when I fell on concrete in drag, and literally, I felt like Frida Claxton in this moment because. I fell because my shoe got wrapped around my ankle and it like it just the strap, but whatever. It was a complicated thing. And I was on the ground and I could not stand back up. I couldn't get back up because of the shoe and the situation and everything. And I looked to these homosexuals, a group of you know men who were sitting at a table. They were just staring at me, just staring at me as if like like they didn't need to get up to help. But then this delightful group of lesbians, I assume they were lesbians just because I'm profiling, but I hope they were. They came up. And they literally lifted me off the ground onto my feet and then gave me $20. <laughs> oh, what a nice tip yeah, it was to great. get new shoes. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, lesbians always lifting people up. <laughs> Gonna lift us up where we belong. Put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Oh, there was something in this episode. I think I said we should put that on a T-shirt. Oh, bereaved on a budget. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I want to so, see bereaved on a budget. I mean, the rest of the episode, we kind of know, you know, they, they plan Frida's funeral and stuff. And we talk a lot about that with Joanna. Actually, we talk a lot about sort of the impact of death in this episode and everything with Frida with Joanna. And it was such a fantastic conversation. I think we should maybe take a break and get right to our convo. Let's just get right to Joanna. Yeah. I love that. Joanna, hello. Welcome on to Out on the Lanai. We're so happy to have you on tonight. Hi, Kira and HL. I'm a longtime fan of the podcast. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Wait, so we should preface this by saying that you were at Golden Con, but there was some um, miscommunication, let's just say, in terms of like when <laughs> our live recording was happening. And I had assumed everyone was there because we had a packed house. I mean, it was like fully full. So I had assumed everything had been worked out. But then at the very end, you so sweetly came running up to us and we were taking pictures with everybody and you so sweetly came running up to us being like, I'm right here for it. Are we starting? And we're like, we just <laughs> did it. And we felt so 
bad. No, no, you didn't have to feel bad at all. I, I yeah, I don't know what happened. I think I was so excited um first to see you both like before everything started, like you know, before the actual con. Yeah. Um and I was geeking out like crazy like, "Oh my god, are you?" And I, I remember I like I poked Carrie and I was like, "Are you?" from the podcast <laughs> you were like yes i am and i'm like oh my god it's you <laughs> sorry if i like creeped you, made, you out or anything you no you didn't yeah. it was, it was and i awesome. and i had it on my schedule too i was like okay they're doing a live recording i'm gonna have to be there i'm so excited i'm so excited and yeah. then i like, was counting down the minutes too on that day oh. And and then I went there and like my husband was there with me. I'm like, yeah. hurry, hurry, we need to get in. The the place is like so packed. It looks like wow. people are like pouring out of the place because they can't sit down. Yeah. <laughs> I look I over and I'm like, wait, oh, it's done. That's why people are pouring well, out. First of off, Joanna, I do want to say that you made Carrie's day because one of the things that like happens between the two of us is because I do what I do in drag, I am very recognizable and and mm -hmm. carrie it looking like a normal human being just walking through a room <laughs> is maybe not always as recognizable as my ridiculous six foot two self <laughs> so you made carrie's day by being like Aww. you carrie it totally did that's why i wore an out on the lanai shirt to golden con but mm -hmm. joanna i will also say it was not your fault because there was a schedule change and yeah. they they moved the time of our show. Um, yeah, and we had so, heard in the morning that they missed, like they someone misspoke about announcing the time. Yeah, like, I, yeah, yeah. I think what happened was that they switched it, and then they overcompensated. I think the person yeah. that was at yes. the front overcompensated, and they yeah. said the the previous time. I think that yeah. they changed. They were just really excited, you know. We yeah. can't, can't <laughs> hold it against them. We're fine. But, no, it's totally fine. Silver lining of the mishap was that we became fast friends. And yeah. now you're on the podcast and we're going to talk about uh, It's a Miserable Life, mm -hmm. aka the Frida Claxon episode. <laughs> and I'm so curious to know, um, out of all like 180 episodes of the Golden Girls, um, why does this particular episode fall into kind of your fan favorite? Yeah, so it was obviously really tough to choose just a few episodes, as you all may know and <laughs> understand. But um, the reason why I chose this episode is because I feel like this episode is one of those times that the Golden Girls helped me to cope with some of the real life fears mm. that I've struggled with and that is the topic of death yeah um yeah and of course this episode is like more widely recognized as the Frida Claxton episode like you just said yeah. um by many of the Golden Girls fans um and I think it's sort of you know it sort of leans more heavily into how there was this memorable mean lady that the girls had to deal with but as with many you know gg episodes it deals with sort of this taboo topic of thinking about our own demise um so i for one have a very tough time thinking about this very topic like i can uh -huh. really relate to that moment when you know in the episode blanche is like super anxious in the funeral home i'm getting the willies you know like that kind of feeling i'm one of those people that try my best to avoid attending funerals because it will yeah. lead me to a sort of like this crippling depression um i just i i just always had that but you know as usual golden girls finds a way to like face scary topics by showing how it's okay to have these sort of feelings because everybody yeah. does in some way but you know they also kind of sort of remind you you know what you don't necessarily have to be so serious about it and they yeah. do it through humor um and so, like, you can see it throughout the episode, like, when yeah. Rose asks Dorothy, like, why do people die, Dorothy, you know, and then, like, which is something that I've asked myself so many yeah. times, which, if you think about it, it's a very silly question, like, why do people die, like, you know, but, um, or when, um, you know, the funeral home director character mm -hmm. um, tries to impress the girls with, like, silly names, like, oh, yeah. this is the slumber chamber and his, like, ridiculous business model of, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, here we don't really, we got rid of all that, like, morbid death stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, no it, it really helped me that. to cope. No one yeah. ever needs to, no one wants to think, I mean, I, I'm so glad you said that because one of the things that I, in rewatching this episode, since we last watched it, which was years ago, 
Uh, I mean, I've watched it since then. Let's be real, but <laughs> um, but I haven't watched it since my my. I'm everything's fine, but my father passed away a couple of weeks, uh, months ago now, I guess, and um and I haven't watched it since my father passed away, and I had a very complicated relationship with my father, as I'm people who've listened to this podcast know, and I did not have much of a relationship with him, but it was kind of a Frida Claxton element in that. Not that he was a mean person, but that he was someone that I kind of just avoided, just like people avoided mm. Frida Claxton, you know? And when someone likes that, like that, when someone like that dies, it, it stirs up complicated feelings in yourself about your own mortality, about your own life, about the relationships you have, about are you a good person? Did I do something? Did I, do, did I not mm. do something? Like you ask all yeah. of these questions. And that's what's so great about the Golden Girls is that it allow and, and comedy in general, I think, and just television in general, art allows you to look at life through a lens that is not necessarily the normal lens in which you look. And that's why art is so important. And that's why television is so important because, you know, I always say, like my mom always says, whenever I was younger and I always wanted to like, I felt like I had to have like a normal job and I had to be normal mm -hmm. and all of the things. And my mom was just like, you're not a normal person because you don't think like normal people. And that's why you mm. do what you do because yeah. the world needs people to not think like everybody else. And I kind yes. of think TV <laughs> does that a little bit. That's and, so true. That is so definitely true. true. Yeah. So I'm yeah. so glad you said uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's always been a topic. It just, you know, when I was little, like I would lose sleep over that. Like just yeah. asking that question of like, wait, so if everybody dies then that means mom would die dad would die you know my my friends would die. like you know like I don't know when I I can't remember when exactly but like I remember like growing up I had like a really like interesting epiphany moment of like realizing oh we all die yeah. you know like it's it's a very scary thought um but yeah I I, I you know um, and a lot of times, like, I, I used to, like, avoid even, like, TV shows that had that sort of, like, that would go heavy into that topic, um, because it's just a very scary thought for me. But when I saw this episode first, I just thought, you know, like, you don't have to think of it like that every day. You don't have to think of it in a, you know, like, you don't always have to think of it in a You don't series. have to think of it like Rita Moreno at the end of the Empty <laughs> episode, where she tells her yes. husband to never die. And it's <sighs> like... That yeah. is an obtainable goal, Rita. Why would you yeah. say that? But I get that as well, too. You know, like, it's just something that you want to say, I feel like. And, like, that moment when, again, like, going back to when Rose says, like, why do people die, Dorothy? Like, I think it's not like she's asking the question. It's just sort of, like, something that we say to ourselves sometimes yeah. to sort of, like, I already know what the answer is. It's just some way that I'm coping. Yeah. You know, it's reality that, we don't always think about um and when you're faced with it sometimes it's sort of like you have to say it out loud to sort of like realize okay that is a silly question but you know like it's just everybody goes through those feelings once yeah again. yeah it is it's yeah. really interesting that because now I'm as you're saying this I'm thinking back of moments in the episode and I I there are definitely episodes of the Golden Girls that I go, oh, that episode deals heavily with death. You know, mm -hmm. the one where, you know, Rose has to give the eulogy and they're on the plane, the one where Phil passes away, the one with Sophia's choice with her friend. Yeah. And I've never really thought of this episode as also dealing with death, but I think it's because in this episode, they don't spend as much time on it. The the moments are there. Um, but maybe they're, they're just, um, they're just sort of sprinkled in a little bit more maybe in some of the other episodes, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. This, the fact that Frida Claxton, the fact that nobody came to her funeral and fears that those people could have about, yeah. does anybody like me? Have I, yeah. you know, have yeah. I made, have I made, you ever think you know, about that? Have like, I had a purpose show up at your funeral? Moment. I think about that all I don't. Yeah. I never. I think. I think I some think people it, but... do. Like for yeah. me, especially like again, like it's like a tr like very very you know like triggering thought for me. So I don't really think about it all the time. But I know people do. And mm -hmm. so once again, like 
um, it is a morbid topic, you know, like thinking about, oh, what's going to happen to me after I die? Or like, you know, how are people going to handle it when after I die? But like, again, like there are scenes like, for instance, and then the girls come together and like, you know, um, like, so for instance, like when Rose says like, but Dorothy, wouldn't you be so disappointed if nobody showed up at your funeral? And like, Dorothy's just like, you know, it might be a personal thing, but I'd be more disappointed about being dead. Yeah, like, if know, I dropped dead. You know, yeah. yeah like, <laughs> so like, I feel like, um, in this episode, especially I relate to, I usually relate to Dorothy the most out of all the girls. Um, but in this episode, because they're all they all have their own perspectives towards death, it, it feels like I related to all of them at the same time. Like, for instance, Rose feeling guilty about like not being able to like treat somebody how she wanted to treat them before they passed or like S- Sophia. You know that Sophia felt guilty. That's why she was like, okay, yeah, we'll pop for the funeral. You know, like this whole thing about the Sicilian, like luck and all that kind of stuff. It has nothing. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's more of her feeling guilty that she said things to her and like was never able to make up before she passed. Um, And then, you know, she, she like understands, like she probably understood like, oh, you know, she's old like me. She was old like me. You know, I have those days where I want to be mean but I have friends around me that care about me and I feel so lucky, um, yeah. you know? And yeah. And like Blanche, too, like her whole story about, Oh, I faked my death when I was 16. Blah, 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 blah. So like everybody has their like own perspective of death and like there how they so moments of it. Yeah. This, not even just this episode in the series. I mean, yeah. The most well-rounded person when it comes to death is Sophia, because she has uh, the mindset that I kind of want to have. Whereas, I want people to celebrate me when I'm alive. Thank you. And I want people to be distraught after (laughs) I want, I think I told my boyfriend once, I want a year of mourning. You know what Mm. I mean? Like I want, I want just tears 24 (laughs) seven. Okay. I want to get back to Frida Claxton for a second. Um, Joanna, did you, where did you grow up? And was there a Frida Claxton in your town or city? Yeah, so I grew up um, a little east from where I live right now. It's a city called Monterey Park. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it's been in the news recently yeah. for several tragic incidents there. But yeah, I grew up in Monterey Park. Um, and unfortunately, yes, we did have a Frida Claxton on oh, wow. the block. <laughs> so a lady on my street was considered to be considered to being the meanest old lady. And um you know, it's just, it's just like when I think back on it now, because I was really young before she passed away, but I remember all the adults talking crap about her. Oh, wow. Um, especially the women of the neighborhood, like my mom and like her friends. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, I don't remember the dad saying anything. It was mostly the women. Um, something different about her and Frida was that she actually, she had a family. She wasn't alone, but she yeah. was unfortunately disliked by most of the neighbors on our block. And um so again like I wasn't really sure why the grown-ups all demonized her and that's that's the thing like I think with Frida too but like I think people demonize people like that right like I don't even remember like why they didn't like her very much but um they were like whisper behind her back and like always say that she was rude or like yeah um and she was difficult to like be with or like I I don't know I don't know I'm not really sure but yeah unfortunately it it sounds horrible but I do remember that some of the grown-ups even like actually wished her dead oh my like, god it's, it's oh. absolutely awful like that's, i i remember that that's yeah. a lot. i have to wonder too like how, how much is that person then leaning into being the mean old lady because it's like uh, if everybody's talking about you in that way and you know that people don't like you you're like well maybe yeah. i should just lean into but it you know yeah that's really interesting though carrie because like again like my memory of her is extremely limited but i do remember her being this lady that had a cigarette in her mouth all the time yes. drove this awfully noisy old mercedes yes. um right and like she had this like really big brunette hair and giant glasses and, i love it like you know and the men in the home like she was taking care of all of them she was like the matriarch of her, of their family like her sons her grandsons yeah were all like being taken care of by her and she'd be like i just remember her like yelling at the top of her lungs like always calling her grandsons back home for dinner and like i was the same age as like the grandsons so like we could we play outside but like yeah we'd see this like 
old lady with her cigarette in her mouth yelling at them. Yes. Uh, oh, so like, I, I don't know. I feel like just like with Frida, like these people lived their lives the way that they wanted. They didn't give a F about what everybody was thinking about them. And yeah. maybe that's why they didn't like her. I don't I, know. I, I kind of love women like that. I love people like that in general. I mean, I, I often think, and I've always thought this about Frida and just other people like that. Like we were saying earlier, like, Maybe she just didn't think like everybody else. Maybe yeah. she react to things like, and maybe she just sort of marched to the beat of her own drum in a way mm -hmm. that was just sort of like, well, I don't care if you don't like me. I'm still going to yeah. do this thing and be this way and say this thing and hate you and all of these things and say what I really feel, which if you think about it, how many of us actually- I have to really say what feel? I feel. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Put it out there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's just, it's so, it reminds me of, I'm reading this book that, it seems like everyone is reading right now that book. Um, I actually just happen to have it right here. It's a <laughs> promo um, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. It's about it's like a big book. It's about like the gaming. It's a gaming sort of romance book. But the kid in it, the the, the male character, his grandma talks about how uh, that he just thinks differently. And that's why he acts the way he does. And we need mm. people in the world who are kind of not like everybody else, which is yeah. what Frida is, which is, I think, kind of a wonderful thing, you know? I also yeah. think, like, I mean, sorry, yeah. go ahead, Joanna. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, because in the episode, they never really talk about why people hated Frida either. That was the big mystery, right? Like, you kind of sort of got a little bit of exposition from, like, the different characters about, like, oh, you know, she's a mean old lady, um and like nobody likes her on the block and all the kids dressed up as her for halloween like but so you don't cool. really know yeah you don't so really cool. know <laughs> you know you really don't know why she was considered super mean um i mean yeah like so when you see her by the way like i love frida that's the other thing like i loved frida's character she just leaned into it you know um so i mean i think i think it's just if if you're a little different, people are always going to be a little jealous. I think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, that really yeah. is what it is. They're I think, too, one of the most telling things that Frida said was that she's like, you know, people assume that mm. because I live alone and I like to be alone that I want company and I don't right. want that. So I think it's also people you know, having these preconceived notions about what maybe older people who live alone, maybe even women um what they want and what they need and she's very much and my dad's the same way my dad lives alone loves to be by himself like doesn't really go out of his way to socialize he's not like a curmudgeon he's not like a walter Matthau and grumpy old men kind of <laughs> way he looks a little bit like him but but he's just so happy and content to just be alone and I feel like people just maybe aren't respecting Frida's wishes and that she's like, I'm totally happy to be alone. If I'm mean, it's because you guys are coming into my space or we're having an interaction that I maybe don't necessarily want to have. Um, there yeah, I mean, because like Rose was like coming into her, like coming at her like every day of the week, right? Like she was just like- Yeah, with different like Danish every yeah. day, just trying to wear her down. It's like, of yeah. course she didn't love you. Um, uh, so I, I didn't have a Frida Claxton in my town that I can think of, but I did, well, I guess she technically was in my town, but when I was in third grade, my teacher, I don't think liked children and I, she was very oh, cold to children. I the same fourth I could grade. not understand even at that, even at that age, I was like, I don't understand why you're working with children. I don't think you like children. And I can not I, just like, she's strict. She, she, she was definitely very, hated she kids. Was very, very cold. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, she wasn't like mean. I would, I definitely wouldn't say the word mean. She wasn't warm. Um, she was just very, she was very by the books and she was just, she was cold. Like I felt like, I dare I even say unsympathetic at times. Mm. Um, but I, but even at that age, I was like, I don't understand why you became a teacher. I had this um, great but... teacher. I'm going to call her out, Miss Stevens, because no one's going to know this. <laughs> It's total, I mean, just like beyond Frida Claxton. You know who was the Frida Claxton mm. in my town, though? My grandmother. Oh. My grandma was such a biatch. My grandma <laughs> was so mean. So, I mean, to everybody, even her own grandchildren. She was the worst person. But I kind of loved her for that because I feel like in a way, 
like one of the things that I have always said, like whenever people ask me, like, what'd you learn from cancer and chemo? And I always say the ability to say no, like just to mm -hmm. say no to things I don't want to do or I don't have time for in my life or I don't care about, like hanging outdoors or like, you know, birthday parties really, or weddings even, or like hiking, like the things that I can say, the list of things that I love to say no mm -hmm. to is very long. And I think in a weird way, that's kind of my grandma in me. That's, that's the Frida Claxton mm. in me in that like, for so long, I was sort of just like doing all of the activities and saying yes to everything and trying to be sociable and nice and getting people to lie was the rose getting people to like me and all of the things. And then I was just like, I don't care if you don't like that I don't want to do something or don't like something or whatever it is. I just no, I don't care. And so I think I kind of learned from my Frida Claxton grandma to be a little more decisive in the things that I want in life and don't want more so. Yeah, that's really interesting that. what you said. Like right now, it kind of made me realize that Frida and Rose, the characters are opposite of each other. Yeah, And that's probably why Rose was so upset when she realized that she was lying, right? Like she was taking advantage of her, took her Danish and actually broke her promise. Like I think Rose was just like, you know how you, if you if you want to make somebody like your son, like you like again like it's, and then you find out like oh they don't really care about you it, because the moment that Frida said well I hate you or like I don't like you or something like that that's when she snapped yeah and I think that's what it is it's like they're total opposites and Rose just couldn't understand yeah there are people that are like Frida and you just have to accept the fact that there are different people. Yeah. Um, so Joanna, yeah. this actually segues really <laughs> great into something I want to ask the two of you. Now, I teased this at the top of the episode, but I, in re in rewatching this episode specifically to talk about it with the two of you tonight, had this realization. And I want to ask the two of you this question. This might be a little polarizing what I'm about to say, <laughs> but in the final scene, we learn that Rose spread Frida Claxton's ashes in front of the old oak tree to sort of prove that her life had meaning. Mm -hmm. And that meaning is in the form of keeping the tree. Cause then Rose goes down to city hall and she's like, uh, Hey, you can't cut that tree down because you don't want to disturb somebody's final resting place. Now we know as does Rose that Frida Claxton hates that tree. Is it a little fucked up? that Rose spread her ashes there, knowing full well, not knowing what Frida Claxton's last, last wishes were, but knowing that they would not be to be spread on that tree. So my question is, do we feel like Mrs. Claxton is the mean woman in the episode or is it Rose Nyland? <laughs> yeah, I really, I really, yeah, I really like this question because it made me really think about, um, well, can I go for, or HL, did you want, did you want to go first? Oh no, please, Joanna, I... you're the guest <laughs> by all means. I They've heard me talk enough. <laughs> um, so I think we're looking at the actual, like, words definition, right? The definition of the word mean, like, it's gotta be hands down, Frida. Like, I think if you're looking at the, the definition of the word mean because like the episode never goes into like i said like it never goes into like why people think that she's mean like you know with the limited interactions that the girls have in this one episode it seemed like there was a clear evidence proving that she was like not just upset because of the tree debacle like this lady had like years of training when it comes to getting under people's skin right like i think when you call a person mean it's it's different than if you were to say like somebody was being mean so I think that's the difference between Rose and Frida in this episode. I think Frida is definitely a mean person. Like Frida yeah. is mean. I think Rose, when she starts blowing up at Frida or like does this thing where she like spreads her ashes under the tree with no like, you know, respect to Frida's last wishes or whatever, then telling her to sit down and shut up and drop dead. I think that was just Rose being, being mean in that moment of rage and not a mean person person like that's i think what i gathered from 
from this episode. I think Frida is definitely a mean person. Rose was just being mean in that moment. Mm. I think I, I, I like this response. You. I agree with you, Joanna. I think that Rose is being less naive and more offensively ignorant. Mm. You know what I mean? She's I don't because to be mean, I feel like there has to be intention behind it. There has to be like a like there has to be a, a you have to you have to simmer on it and then give it. Whereas with Rose, she's just pushed into a corner because someone isn't being rational and trying to like have a normal adult conversation because adults should not speak to each other like this. But yeah. and so she reacts, she just sort of bursts and she doesn't think because she is so naive, she doesn't think about that she's being mean or that something that she's doing is actually pretty selfish. You know, in fact, she's just trying in her mind, it's sort of like the person who always thinks that they're like, you know, that they're right. You know what I mean? And they mm. can't, they can't shake. They can't even hear a different take or like they, it just won't even pro it feels like there's a wall and it just won't process in their head. That's kind of what Rose is with this, that she just can't fathom how someone would be mean and not like her, which is the most vain, arrogant, selfish thing to think. <laughs> if you really think about it, you know? Yeah. Because uh, I mean, all you need to do is do a podcast to realize some people don't like you. And so, <laughs> so you learn that lesson really early in life. And maybe Rose just needed to start a podcast. Yeah, okay. and the thing is, like, Rose had something like this experience earlier in the series, too, right? I think there was another yes, episode she where she was trying so hard later, for this no, one coworker. It was later in the episode, I think. Oh, was it? They were later? doing Meals on Wheels, remember? And she was going to the guys, like, I think that's right? No, wasn't it? Wasn't there? Oh, no, that was Dorothy, right? The Meals on Wheels guy? Yeah, right? you're thinking of, Trapped I think, it's room. like Abby, it's her coworker yeah, it's, at the it's, station, and she's just she just wants her to like her. Wasn't no, there, guy there was another guy. There was another yeah. guy that was oh, a coworker, okay. and a she got him a cat, yeah, or something like oh, that, right? right? I think it was like she was like, "Oh, there's this coworker, like you know, like I don't remember exactly. I can't remember exactly what his name was, but I do remember yeah. it was a coworker, and she was like, oh, you're right, trying her best to get him to like her, and, the and whole... she gets him a cat or a parrot, or I can't remember some sort yeah. of pet. No, it was a cat, then because he scratched. He said he got scratched up. The and yeah. I, think, I think it ended. I I do think that was the same episode as Meals on Wheels for some reason, but I could be wrong. Okay, yeah, uh, it could be like the like a B plot of that episode because I feel like they were in the same apartment building or yeah. something. But they they um at the end I feel like it's settled because he's like. If I say I like you, will you that be okay? Will, oh, yeah. Will be over, even if it's not true, and he says it, and then it's over, and she's just happy or whatever. Like, right. Just and and if you think about it, that's super super arrogant. Like, that's yeah, so arrogant. Okay, yeah. so the three of us all live in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and so I'm wondering if we were going to the three of us, if we were going to petition to preserve something in our city, the way that these women petitioned to save the old oak tree, uh, what would you want to save? Joanna, what would you want to save? Yeah. Um, or preserve. This was a, yeah, this was a really great question as well, because, you know, before I get into what I really want to preserve, like, I just wanted to mention that the sheer concept of petitions didn't click with me until I was in college or so. Because oh. around that time, that's like around the time that I started watching Golden Girls religiously. I grew up not knowing, like really knowing anything about local politics or like, you know, grassroots activism since my parents were both immigrants um, who were not U.S. citizens. Um, and for them, like, I think the most important thing was to never rock the boat and to trust in what the system said was right. Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't think that normal people like me could ever make any difference by just you know collecting a bunch of signatures so like i actually didn't understand what the ladies were doing at first in the this episode um so i think going to college and meeting all kinds of people and then watching golden girls how they were passionate about so many things really taught me that my voice mattered mm -hmm. so fast forward to now um you know i i grew up in little tokyo and so for folks listening who are not from la little tokyo is a historic neighborhood in downtown LA and is the largest of three remaining official Japan towns in the U.S. There's only wow. three remaining in the U.S. Only three? Only three, yep. Official Japan towns. The other two are in San Francisco and San Jose. They're all in California. That's so, so wild. 
Yeah. And so, and Little Tokyo is also like the second oldest neighborhood in LA. And just like, you know, with a lot of communities and, you know, the city were constantly challenged by displacement or um, what they call gentrification. So we've seen a lot of changes, both good and bad because of this in our community. So I'd be upset if any more of our small businesses and especially legacy businesses were displaced. So, I mean, my family still works there. I have restaurants that I've gone to with them and with my closest friends, you know, Um, I think we all have hangouts, like hangout spots um, that we always end up at after a late night outing or, you Mm. know, one of those like greasy spoons that, you know, will be open all night. Um, All of your friends have something that's their favorite like on the giant ginormous menu like expansive menu Mm -hmm. um and so for me that's koraku koraku is a restaurant that's in little tokyo it's actually the first ramen restaurant in the u.s yeah so if you are a foodie you're a japanese food foodie buff um and you you know if you've never been to koraku please go there it's almost 50 years old now um Mm -hmm. that restaurant um, it's a very simple looking diner with no frills, but it's the place where we go for good food and good company. So that's I'm gonna look that up because I yeah. have too. I love a good bowl of ramen. I have a good. They have food. everything. They have so it's like a diner. They have everything on the menu that you'd want, like other than ramen. Wow. So they have rice dishes. The girls ever ate ramen? You think they would? I think they would love that. Place. I think they would love it. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um. So yeah, that's. That's me. Um, and that's where I would petition if, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's, I think that's best. I mean, I can't top that. (laughs) I mean, I literally, the the thing I was going to say was there's this, I I just recently went to the Academy Museum and uh, the Academy of Motion Pictures, Art and Sciences Museum. It's opened like a year ago, I guess, because I'm a huge film buff. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I didn't know was that it used to be a Macy's, that shopping center on the the corner of Wilshire and uh, Fairfax here in Los Angeles. And back in like the 40s and 50s, it was this beautiful Macy's. But of course, because of, you know, the city and the decline and gentrification and all the things, of course, it closed and then it sort of stayed vacant for years. And they the Academy repurposed it to being this beautiful museum to celebrate film. But what I didn't know was in 1950 something or maybe even the 70s, I forget, um, Hedy Lamarr, famous actress, famous just Hollywood icon, but also famously created Wi-Fi. Great documentary on that. You should look into that. She was a genius. She literally was a genius. But she had a lot of demons. She struggled a lot. People didn't accept her because of, you know, she was so smart, but she was a woman. And like, it was a whole, it was a different time. Anyway, so at that Macy's, she actually stole like a bunch, like she, she shoplifted a lot in her later life from struggling and from lots of different problems. And I just love that Hollywood connection to that Macy's being like, now repurposed <laughs> into something that we can go and we can celebrate Hedy Lamar. You know what I mean? Like we can go yeah. to that Macy's and be like, yeah, you shoplifted from this Macy's because we did you wrong because <laughs> the world did you wrong and forced you into this horrible place that you were in. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to go celebrate you. And that's what I kind of love about LA. I love LA. Yeah. I, I love that we all have different answers. I was so worried that we were all going to have the same answer. So I'm so glad that we don't. Uh, <laughs> I would petition to preserve the Golden Girls house in Brentwood, which was sold in 2020. But what I would love to see happen is, uh, you know, the Brady Bunch house was recently sold, but whoever lived in it last, the inside, the interior, they had it remodeled. So it looks exactly like it did on the Brady Bunch set. And it's absolutely beautiful. Wow. Um, a, a a fan of the Goonies recently bought the Goonies house in Oregon. Yeah. Um, I worked in a writer's room that was in an Airbnb. That was a, a house that was Quentin Tarantino's house in Pulp Fiction. And that was wow. completely preserved as the Pulp Fiction house. So I really would love to see the Golden Girls house in Brentwood transformed into the house on Richmond Street um, and, and, into a, and, and sort of treated as a museum or a place that is like an Airbnb where people can rent it out and have Golden Girls themed brunches or slumber parties or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. I would love to see that happen. So that's oh. my answer. I think we should take a little break and get ready for our golden takeaways. What do you think, Carrie? I think I sound great. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, Joanna. Well, I'm so excited because we are now and you are our first fan guest to be a part of our golden takeaway for this episode. So 
You know what the drill is. A golden takeaway is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie will go first because, you know, we didn't, we just spurred, we just spun this on you. So we'll, we'll let, we'll go first and then we'll end with you. Carrie. Um, so, um, in this episode, the character of Mr. Pfeiffer is, is, is he's a pretty big part of this episode. And as I, I always watch these episodes from a writer's brain and from a TV writer's perspective, and I'm like, they make such a meal out of his name being Pfeiffer. And it's just such a funny, random thing. And so sometimes when there's a joke in a Golden Girls episode, I always just try to imagine like where that came from. And what I imagine is the writers all sitting around and it's like 10 o'clock at night and they're maybe a little tired. Maybe they're having dinner and somebody's like, let's talk about Michelle Pfeiffer. And they're like, why is the P in Michelle Pfeiffer's name silent? And they're all like talking about it and they're like, it should be Pfeiffer. And, and they're having a conversation about Michelle Pfeiffer. And this is how the character of Mr. Pfeiffer comes up because I got really curious and I Googled it when I Googled, why does Michelle Pfeiffer's name have a silent P? I got like limericks that people had made up about why the P is silent in Michelle mm -hmm. Pfeiffer. Like when Michelle Pfeiffer goes to the loo, she doesn't make a noise like me or you. The reason for this is you see Michelle Pfeiffer has a silent P. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> but then I learned that um, that a lot of Greek words have a P at the beginning. Um, and our alphabet is based on the Greek alphabet. We adapted certain sounds to be more like, you know, those that were familiar. Um, so we took out the P sound. Um, so a lot of silent P words have Greek roots. Um and anyway, that's <laughs> that was the rabbit hole I went down. Wow. I don't know if it's a takeaway. I just I, I was just I, I feel like that's where that joke came from. I feel like somebody in the writer's room was talking about Michelle Pfeiffer and they said mm -hmm. that's weird that it has that the P is silent. And that's where Mr. Pfeiffer came from. Interesting. OK, I'm I so sorry. <laughs> oh, that, no, that's no, that's I love the Mr. Pfeiffer character. He definitely makes this episode. Yeah, I feel like all the you know, the supporting actors of this episode are like the best, Gold. right? The lady that kicks the coffin. Perfect. Um, you know, Mr. Pfeiffer, Rita Coxon, I think. Yeah. And so many just, great characters. Yeah, so many great characters. Totally. I think. My golden takeaway from this episode is don't have sex in a shower. It's just <laughs> not like I just I know Blanche starts the episode, or is it the start of the episode or maybe midway through? I forget. But uh there's there's a she says the whole like sex line in the shower like well it's her kiss you're yes, you're yes, inferring yes. yes well but if you're if you're in the shower it implies you're naked so you know what's leading to after that kiss like come sure. on um and i just find that like maybe it's just because i'm a big person but like showers are just they're meant to be solo you don't <laughs> you don't need that many people in a shower you don't need to do that in the shower. in fact just do the shower go do the deed and then you know do whatever else after that. Like, you know, I just don't, I don't think the shower, no, I don't think you need two people in a shower. That's my golden takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> I get scared. Like, I, I think like, how do you not slip in the shower? Yes. When you're doing things oh my God. Like have you ever almost slipped in the shower and you thought that could have been it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. What's your golden takeaway, Joanna? Um, so I, I, so I love this episode and I have two golden takeaways if that's okay with the both of, course. of you. Of course. Um, so I think the first one is sort of related to, um, it's kind of similar to what I challenged said. Um, if you are going to be performing any raunchy activities that you actually don't want people to witness, then I think close your curtains so yeah. people don't blackmail you yeah. with some creepy photos. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you know, like yes. I think that's a really important thing. Unless you um, And my second one is to definitely have a will. So people don't just take advantage of your life after you pass. Mm, because, yeah. you know, the whole thing about, and Carrie, you mentioned this, like, I think Frida was mean and rude, but she was living her truth. And I, I would have wanted to go out for her, like, for her to go out on brand, yeah. you know, and like, not help the tree and like, you know, not be used as this sort of like prop to... Yeah. Like, you know, get get the other person's. I don't know. I just I feel like 
she was a tree hating bitch and that she was she wanted to be until the end i feel like she should have been that way until let her be end. that yeah joanna wouldn't it have been incredible if the women were like um like at the funeral home if they were like uh you know nobody can claim the body they're like absolutely we'll claim the body we'll have the funeral only to learn that her final wishes were incredibly intricate and expensive. And now the women have <laughs> taken on and it's almost like Frida's way of getting back from them from yeah. beyond the grave while being true to herself. Like that actually yes. would have been really, really funny. If No, that would have been amazing. Know? I actually, every time I watch this episode, I'm always glad that that scene where the ladies like, mistakenly at the wrong funeral and she was just like oh she's such a wonderful person i'm just like oh i'm so glad that it didn't turn out to be some sort of like disney ending where oh you know she turned out to be a really nice person and we feel really bad that we talked all this crap about her it didn't it was like rita cluxton isn't she isn't she the woman that owned that you know house on richmond street she's like yes it's like wham like yeah. <laughs> i just love totally. that i just think like it's so i don't know it's i mean obviously it's not realistic but i feel like it's better than you know if they would yeah. just say oh she was a really nice person in the end yeah yeah, yeah of course oh this has been so much fun joanna yeah that one went by real quickly <laughs> it does it does fly by so we're gonna do a little the ending of the show but stick around because you need you know what you need to stick around for the stay golden so don't <laughs> go don't go anywhere are we taking a break right now no oh, okay just <laughs> leave this in then your tone yeah. <laughs> i was like wait do we take breaks here all yeah. right we're just gonna roll with it um yes guys thank you so so much this has been another episode of out on the lanai and we will catch you back here next week for more golden girls greatness and you know that we are a part of mom moguls of media so go follow them and support mom plus and you can follow us on social media at golden girls pod on twitter out on the lanai official on instagram golden girls pod on facebook and i am sadie pine slash h allen scott on everything and i am squidzy on instagram and squid eat squid on twitter and joanna where can people find you and i'd also love to hear a little bit more about your tasty design studios yeah so people if you want to learn a little bit more about my marketing agency we do uh, digital marketing and um bespoke events um any sort of events that you want to do um look for tasty design on instagram at the tasty design studio amazing and if you all have a moment and you wouldn't mind uh please rating and reviewing us wherever you get this podcast uh that would be amazing because the more ratings we get the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of golden girls fans and as always remember go joanna ready for it stay golden and never die (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.